turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The gospel's the most inclusive worldview that there is. Don't let anyone else tell you any other way. Because all of mankind has the same problem. We all need Jesus. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. I can remember going to the dentist as a small child and after surviving that traumatic experience, being told that I could go to the treasure chest and pick my prize. It was a little bit of help in that moment. Looking back, that little plastic toy was not much of a consolation for what I had endured. But I'm sure that that experience helped give me this hunger for treasure in my life. Everybody likes to find treasures. It was 1905, a baseball field in Salt Lake City, Utah. The Realites were playing the Beaties. Never heard of either of those teams, but I'm going to assume they were real. The Beaties were up to bat. The pitcher threw the ball. The batter swung, and the ball rocketed toward first base. The first baseman was a man named William Griffiths. He saw the ball coming his way. He was amazed to see it ricochet off of a small stone and landed in his glove, and he beat the runner to first base. He was so excited that after the inning ended on his way back to his position in the dugout, he decided to reach down and grab that little stone and put it in his pocket. When he got home later that evening, he looked at that stone and noticed something was glittering, and it was a piece of free gold. So he and some friends went back to the ballpark later that evening, and with the light of lanterns, they began to scoop up as many rocks as they could find, only to discover that there in that baseball field, on the diamond, was gold. And so they secretly and in a stealthy manner decided to buy that baseball park. Those three friends, the mine became known as first base, and the first shaft that paid out ore was at a depth of 33 feet. The infielder Griffith soon found himself a very rich man. Hidden treasures right before your eyes. Hey, that reminds me of one of my favorite quotes. Maybe you've heard it. Lord, give me the strength to change the things I can. The grace to accept the things I cannot. And a big bag of money. 
right? Well, that's not how it goes. But, uh, hey, there's three types of people in the world, I've discovered. There are those who spend their time and energy hunting for treasure. There are those who spend their time and energy holding on to or hiding treasures. And then there are those who spend their time and energy recognizing that they have been given treasures to give. That's what we're going to talk about. But first, let's spend a moment reviewing. Last week, we talked about more acts of kindness. This journey began a couple of weeks ago where we discovered that in a crowded and a chaotic world, it only takes a simple act of kindness to make a big and a lasting impact. And I gave you these little cards for the last two weeks. On the back, it simply says this, please accept this act of kindness as my demonstration of God's love to you, no strings attached. We took a test in all of our services last week, and well, I'm not sure we had a passing grade in any service. So I told you you've got a week to practice, to study, to prepare. You knew a test was coming. I'm going to ask you again. How many of you have used these kindness cards this week? Let me see your hands. Much better. Now, there was a little bit of trauma at the end of this service on last week because a young man was in here and his mother thought he was real attentive and listening well. And he turned to her after the service and said, Mama, if if we go out to eat to Chick-fil-A this next week, and he, mother, mother thought, man, he gets it. He's going to say, we need to give these cards. But he didn't stutter. He just looked at her and said, if, if we go out to eat at Chick-fil-A, we need to make sure we're behind Pastor Paul. <laughs> that, that's not the moral of the story. So uh, make sure that you do that. Now, we're also dropping some kindness bombs around here. So remember last week? Uh, last week, our friend from Haiti was up here. He'd been walking 45 minutes uh, a day to class. He'd walked 45 minutes to church. And look, man, what a great celebration as we gave him the bicycle last week. Wasn't that awesome? Hey, would you like to, would you like to drop a kindness bomb today? Do you think that would be a good deal? We're doing this in all of our services on every campus. I'm going to ask Pastor Zach and our new friend, Ken, to come up here. Would you give them a hand as they come? Pastor Zach and Ken. Now, as she comes, this is a dear lady that's from the other side of the world. And you guys, come on over here. We're not going to bite. Uh, She comes from the other side of the world. And Ken, you were saved out of a different religious background. Tell us your religious background. She was Buddhist. And some of you were here months ago. I had the privilege uh, to uh, baptize Ken. And so like many who've come into our, uh, our church family, uh, she came as a result of the ministry we have to internationals during the week. She came here through her study of English. And like so many who come to this country, she's not only studying this language, she's taken the steps to to be a a, a citizen and she's getting her driver's license and she's gotten a a good job. She's hardworking. But it, it struck her that, Ken, you have a driver's license, but nothing to drive. So uh, that's a problem, and, and so um, 
we're just praying about that. And Ken, we thought today it, it might be a good thing if we just gave you the title to a new car. And I think we have a picture. There you go right there, Ken. There's your car. Is that awesome? That's awesome, Ken. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> so we've got the keys to this car. It's a new-to-you car. I should clarify that. A registration for this new-to-you car, and we're paying for that registration and all, so you're going to be able to drive that as soon as we get all that done. So would you give God praise for that pretty awesome kindness bomb right there? Thank you guys very much. We're dropping bombs in every service today. But one of the things we talked about last week is uh, you can drive, drop a kindness bomb just by showing up. You know, in our, our busy and our bustling society, being there matters. Sometimes it makes a difference just being there. You have a ministry of presence. And I hope some of you have demonstrated that ministry of presence today. And, and just a reminder, what keeps us from these acts of kindness or from being there? What's the number one thing that keeps us from this? It's ourselves. It's ourselves. We don't even have to have the attacks of the enemy, though he's roaming to and fro and seeking whom he may devour. It's ourself that gets in the way. And that reminds me of one of my favorite Christmas quotes. You show me someone wrapped up in themselves and I will show you an exceedingly small package. The truth is it does not serve you well to focus on self. But when you focus on others, you give God glory. And that's the natural response to being in the presence of Jesus. So last week we ended with the shepherds. The shepherds had seen the Jesus and his parents, they had worshiped him, and they left glorifying God and telling everyone. And this is what we've learned. When you encounter God's presence in a real and a personal way, you will be motivated to show up and be present for his glory right where you are. You don't have to get on a plane, a train, get in an automobile, or even a bicycle to go on the mission field. You can be a missionary in your little corner of the world right where you are. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. That continues to be what's demonstrated as we look through the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 2 today. If you have your copy of God's Word, you turn to Matthew chapter 2. We're moving and transitioning from the shepherds to the wise men. But as we do that, I probably need to clear up a few misconceptions. One just being the, the simple reality that the picture we have in the manger scene is, is probably not what it was really like. 
I saw a great picture on Facebook this week, and it shows a panicky Joseph holding the baby, and Mary's like laid out, conked out. Like, now that would be a realistic manger scene, right? I mean, Joseph's thinking, my God, the baby's coming. I mean, what are we going to do? And in fact, we sing songs that misrepresent it, don't we? Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. I have been present for four different births, even with epidurals. It is not calm. One of our children, I went across the street and decided it would be a good idea just to get me some Mexican from Tijuana Flats and bring it in and eat while Kimberly was preparing for this blessed event. That did not go over well. It was not well received. Or how about a way in a manger? Think about this line. The cattle are lowing. The poor baby wakes. But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I'm just telling you, I wasn't there, but that's not true. It, it could not have been that way. No crying he makes. And I don't, I don't want to mess up your nativity sets, but here's what you need to know. The wise men weren't there on the night of the birth. Now, we don't know how long it took them to get there, but they were from a faraway country. We'll talk about that as we go through. Maybe a few months, maybe a few years. We don't know. I'm not saying you have to move them and put them on the other side of the house so they'll have time to get there. But just keep that in mind when you tell the story, right? And, and nowhere does it say there are three of them. Just be aware of that. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Matthew chapter 2, this is the word of God, beginning in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. For we saw his star. You know what that is? We would call that the general revelation of God. Are you aware of the fact that God is presently revealing himself in all kinds of ways to all kinds of people all around the world. The general revelation of God. That's what it's talking about in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. Listen to this verse. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, who's him? God, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. So they, who's they? Everybody. They are without excuse. So the Bible teaches that God is so in the business of revealing himself in a general way that no matter where you live, no matter what you've done, no matter what your background, you have no excuse. God is revealing himself to us. Notice verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Why was Herod troubled? Well, first of all, he was a lunatic. He was a crazy dude. He was paranoid. He was so power hungry. He was afraid everybody was going to take his throne. And so you know what he did? He killed his wife. And just so that he would make sure her mother would not have another one, he killed her mother. And just in case he would experience revenge from her brother, he killed her brother. And sometime in the future, history records that he killed his own three sons. So he just didn't like anybody who was in the potential position of taking his place. He was crazy. 
But he also had these wise men, these kings, these magi who had come to him and said, hey, where do we find the king? Now, why would that trouble him? He's the king, all right? Imagine you're the boss in a business and someone comes in and says to you, hey, where's the boss? You're like, well, here I am. And they say, no, 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 the real boss. Not well received. But there's a bigger issue here. Why was he disturbed? Don't miss this. God is a God of love. And that's so easy to receive. And scripture teaches that. In fact, one of the short verses you can learn in the Bible is this. God is love. But God is much more than love. And the gospel of Jesus Christ has always, say always. It's always divided. That's what Jesus was talking about in Luke 12, 51, when he said, do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, rather division. Jesus does give a peace that surpasses our understanding to those who receive him. But to those who reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is no peace. You know Jesus, K-N-O-W, you will know K-N-O-W, peace. But if you don't know Jesus, you will have no N-O, peace. The gospel always divides. Let's get back to the story. Verse 4. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him. Imagine him. He's already paranoid. And he's saying, where is this going to happen? This, this king, this anointed one. The Christ, the promised Messiah, where is he going to be born? Now we know because we've read the back of the book, right? Even in the end of Jesus's life, his closest people thought he was coming to bring military rule. So this King Herod, he certainly thought that's what the Christ was going to do. Where is he going to be born? Lo and behold, he assembled some people that know. The scribes, the religious leaders, the one who've studied the Old Testament. They don't even have to study. They know. Why? Because it's always been about Jesus. It's always important to remember at Christmas time, Jesus did not just appear on the scene in the New Testament. He's not God Jr. who just showed up. He's always been. He always will be. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Now, this is from Micah chapter 5, verse 2. They've studied the scriptures, and so they can answer the question. By the way, by the way, that's why the Bible tells us that you are to study to show yourself approved. You want to know how to answer those questions that come to you at the workplace, in the classroom, in your neighborhood about your faith. It's a good thing that we have some opportunities in our church and our our small groups, our community groups, our Bible studies are always good for you to be involved in. But you have everything you need in the scriptures. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's your responsibility. Get in the word. Because they were in the word, they knew the answer to the question that was asked. You know what that was? It was a specific revelation. So we can know about God through general revelation. But you're saved through the specific revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me illustrate that. In our context, 
we're seeing what Muslims have seen around the world. Places like Iran. There's, there's been a period in Iran where many Muslims have come to Christ as a result of an encounter they had in a dream, or they might call it a vision. And it's very similar, the dreams that they might have. They might would say, I saw a man robed in white. We had a, a lady that came to our church, and she described her context, some difficulties she was facing, and, and, and she was meeting with Pastor Zach, and she said, I, I had this dream. Do you know what that is? Do you know who this man is? And so Pastor Zach was able to say, yes, that is a general revelation. But then he gave her the specific revelation. Yeah, that's Jesus. And let me tell you the difference he makes. Jesus gives peace. One of the most dangerous places on the planet right now is the country of India. It's moving up. It'll be number 10 as the world watch list comes out of the persecuted church in January. There's a lot of persecution there's a group that's similar to ISIS that has as their goal to rid India of Christians by the beginning of January 2021, one year from now. And in India, in the midst of that darkness, you know what's being used as general revelation? Countless individuals are learning about God through divine healing. The healing doesn't save them just like a dream doesn't save you. You're saved with an encounter with Jesus Christ. That's the specific revelation. But the general revelation, in this case, divine healing, is causing people who follow Christ to be able to say, let me tell you about the great physician. The one who can give you ultimate healing and change everything. Hey, by the way, this is also a reminder that the gospel has always been good news for everyone. Because the shepherds, likely from a lowly Jewish background, these wise men, not. Probably coming from Iran or from Iraq, they were Gentiles that were being led to worship Jesus. So, continuing, verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it arose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And when they saw the child, they rejoiced with great joy. Another biblical principle here. Happiness in your life is going to come from what does or does not happen to you? Happiness is often influenced by our happenings. So we have happy moments, we have sad moments. You win some, you lose some. You got to know when to hold them, when to fold them. All, all those good old gospel songs, all right? But joy comes from within. Joy comes from encountering Jesus. The journey to Jesus always ends in joy. And so I'm just going to make a bold statement. Take it to the bank. If you've got an absence of joy in your life, you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. I'm not saying there's not good reason. You may be facing a health crisis. You may be going through a marriage crisis. You may be in the midst of a financial crisis. I don't know. Work. 
but you've taken your eyes off of the one, the only one who can bring you joy in spite of the circumstances, in the midst of the situation. So look at verse 11. And, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so see, I, I see another follow-up. You can't encounter Jesus without worshiping him. So it doesn't matter whether you're on a deserted island or you're on the most crowded building in the planet. If you're in the presence of Jesus, you can worship. And you're going to be driven to worship because that's the response. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.